Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I am Caleb Kai. And I'm Danielson. And we are here. This is a show for karate aficionada and punching. And trimming of bonsai trees and other such stuff. And sweet back tats. And then a grim reaper tap over your over your heart. I've got nothing else. Uh, how are you? I'm doing well. About as good as I can be. Live, just living life. Uh, I'm waiting for Hitman 3 to come out on Wednesday, which is Wednesday or Thursday. What, what day is it? Wednesday. It's a weird day for video game releases Wednesday. But yeah, I can't wait for Hitman 3 to come out. Yeah. There's a chance that you're that by the time you're listening to this that the uh, American government has collapsed. So <laughs> if you're... If you're still here among the rubble, welcome. We're, we're glad to have you. Remember when Facebook was banning events uh, at or near the Capitol in order to prevent another insurrection attempt? You remember when Facebook w- had, you know, partial responsibility for the last one? My snapping is because uh, this is a jazz club now and I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. It's more about the news stories you don't report. And, you know, allowing fake news to perpetuate. And Twitter's also pretty responsible for that as well, because Twitter, up until, what, 2021, really didn't have, like, a fake news filter? I guess it was around the election they decided all of a sudden, oh, we're going to get a fake news filter. So, and then the president's tweets were almost entirely covered with a fake news filter. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. I don't know. I like that, uh, you know, now they ban him now that he can't make them any money. So, yep. But it is what it is. Uh, the world goes on. Nothing bad lasts forever. As always, I will continue to monitor the situation, but I will not let it fuck up my inner peace. Oh, I want to do some Miyagi quotes, but I'm afraid I probably wouldn't be able to do them without a, a very horribly offensive Japanese accent. So I'm going to skip that part. Balance not just for karate, balance for all life. Mm-hmm. Karate here, karate here, karate never here. <laughs> that that one doesn't really work in an audio-only medium. <laughs> uh, he's pointing to head, heart, and some somewhere else, I don't remember. Uh, his belt. His belt, uh, so his penis, got it. Uh, I was going to say, in the immortal words of John Hamm, uh, karate, 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 uh, which was said no fewer than nine times while watching season three of Cobra Kai in my household. <laughs> man, now I'm all, all I'm thinking about is playing it. It's a weird energy to start the show. Yeah, I mean, like, it's a weird time, and, and I feel like we like we could say that every week because you know there's a global pandemic happening. Uh, people are apparently trying to overthrow the government, even though it's about five thousand of them. Uh, and they're, you're not going to uh, overthrow any government 
with only 5,000 people in 2020. 5,000 people in, you know, say 1776, maybe you could do something, but uh, 5,000 people today, not not so much. I wonder how much, because like all the crazy, crazy, craziness has been coming out this week of like, you know, this is what QAnon people actually believe. I wonder how much of it is like, just people trolling mm-hmm. say because like i legitimately read that like donald trump is an alien and he's gonna tell the truth about aliens and like banish joe biden to planet Zarmok and fucking establish the new world order and put us in contact with other civilizations and i was like huh <laughs> My favorite one is where someone referenced the the plot of the movie Face Off and was just like they're they're surgically attaching Joe Biden's face to Trump's body and Trump will still be Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah, so whenever uh you know Biden gets sworn in, you know, it's it's actually Donald Trump being sworn in for his second term and whenever you see Trump on trial, it's actually Joe Biden being punished for his crimes. And I was like, "Well, so we get to have Joe Biden and the crazy MAGA people think that they got Donald Trump. I see this as an absolute win. Yeah, 100%. And that way, when Joe Biden, uh, quote-unquote, screws up the country for those people, uh, they can be like, wow, I can't believe Trump's second term is going much worse than I anticipated. Why would Antifa do this? <laughs> oh, man, Eric Andre meme, where it's... um. <laughs> Uh, Hannibal Burris is the capital. Eric Andre is uh, the right wing nut jobs who stormed the capital. Actually, has anybody done that? Someone do that if you haven't already. Yeah, I saw that pretty much the day. Okay, of. well, I mean, fuck me then. Has been a good time for memes. Meme- memes are like the number one way we uh, we are getting through this as a society. It's true. Uh, cool talk. Uh, let's do a segment called What's Your Swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! Alright, so I'm gonna openly admit that I fucked up here. I did not get Coors Banquet in honor of this episode, even though I went to the grocery store no fewer than uh, four times in the last week. So, uh, instead, I'm drinking a gin and tonic with Tanqueray Rangpour. Now, uh, astute listeners of the podcast will know that Gerald brought me Tanqueray Rangpour sometime last year uh, for my housewarming gift and for moving down to Pittsburgh, or moving down from Pittsburgh to where I am currently. Uh, Now, uh, this is my own batch of Rangpour, and it tastes even better because Gerald didn't buy it for me. What about you? What do you have? I stopped in my local sheets to see if they had Coors Banquet, and they didn't. So I'm Boo. finishing my Miller High Life that I had from a couple weeks ago. See, I associate Miller High Life with like being on an equivalent level to Coors Banquet. Like, I feel like they're the quote-unquote upper-scale version yeah. of that beer. I actually like High Life quite a bit, mostly because like, it's not Miller Lite, and like... Most beers I can't drink because they make me really sick, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So I, <laughs> I've never been able to enjoy craft beers because like my throat will start closing up because like a lot of them contain sulfites and I have a mild allergy. A mild allergy that slowly kills you. Yeah, 
Well, I don't want to, you know, keep keep trying to push through it or whatever and end up, you know, dead. That's fair. All right, uh, we do have uh, a big announcement for everybody. Uh, we have a brand new patron to the show. Uh, Nerd Revert decided to become a smart person uh, and uh, one of Caleb's cunts and is now uh, a patron of our show. Or as Nick asked that we refer to is them that, as Caleb's cunts. Is that what we're calling our patrons now? Uh, I mean, no, but the joke is that Nick, I was like, I have no idea what we call our patrons because I was like Swillers, and then I was like, I've never called them Swillers before, so I don't know. And then Nick was like, just call us Caleb's cunts, and I was like, okay, that's allowed. <sighs> I'm not, I'm not ready to sign off on that yet. <laughs> I think we need to take it back to the drawing board a bit. All right, well, let's go simply with patrons, but uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Nerdrovert, for contributing to us, and if you want to be a smart person like him, you can uh, head, over, head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Swill and contribute at any level, and that'll get you some bonus content, including three upcoming things. One, uh, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. Two, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. And then our worst of 2020, all of which I can finally edit as soon as I finish editing this episode. Yeah, I need to... I need to hear the dramatic conclusion of uh, you watching Harry Potter with Gerald. I did enjoy your Happy Christmas special. Oh, I mean, the Happy Christmas special, I felt like I had to fucking do that. Just because, like, we, we've memed on Happy Christmas the entire fucking run length of our thing. Also, Gerald's very bad at the accent. Oh, my God. It's like Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> Does that reference scan? Does everyone know what I'm referring to when I say Dick Van Dyke in British accents? I don't think I know the reference. Mary Poppins! Oh, Mary Poppins, yeah. Oi, I'm a Cockney chimney sweep, I am, ain't I? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. What a good time. The life of the wife is ended by the knife. Okay, I'm over it. I'm over everything. Let's get into some news, then. Oh, shit, it's mail time. Uh, this is kind of tangential to us, I guess. Um, so since the United States government has lost all credibility, uh, it's borrowing some from Tom Hanks, uh, who, according to QAnon, is the leader of the global... Um, pedophile cannibal cult that secretly runs society. That Army Hammer's a part of? So, I guess. It's such a fucking random list. But, uh, there will be an inauguration special airing on multiple networks and streaming platforms, but not the good ones. I think it's gonna be on Amazon Prime, but the rest of them are, like, the Fox News one, and, like, Quibi... Even though that's not real. So here are the ones. Are you ready? We have Prime, Microsoft Bing, News Now from Fox, and AT&T, DirecTV, and Uverse. Yikes. I feel like you should watch the inauguration. Like, this is kind of a turning point in our history. But, like, it's it's very weird that, like, they're doing a fucking variety show. Like... Justin Timberlake and Demi Lovato are going to perform at it. 
What? What the? F- it's going to be make everything in entertainment spectacular. Like what the fuck? <laughs> this is like America's halftime show. It really is. <laughs> it really. Fu- that's a great point. That's fucking terrible. I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what happens on the next exciting episode of America. So yeah, that's something that apparently is going to exist, and you can watch it if you feel like it. Um, next up, Gwendolyn Christie of Game of Thrones fame uh, is joining the cast of Netflix's The Sandman, which we are continually reassured does exist and is in production. So Gwendolyn Christie of Brienne of Tarth fame. Captain Phasma fame. And the Sandman is Neil Gaiman's uh, very, very famous popular graphic novel series. I think Ewan McGregor is starring in that, if I'm, rem- I if I'm remembering correctly. So that sounds right. Although I don't really see him as Dream, like... The character was originally based on sort of a mix of Gaiman himself and, like, Robert Smith from The Cure. So I don't know if Ewan McGregor can really pull off that aesthetic, but I'll give it a shot. I am interested in the project. Uh, so I'm trying to look, because actually, uh, I'm looking at it now, and, like, a shit ton of people have uh, have been, like... Attached to it at some point or another. So I think you and McGregor might be an old attachment. Because it now... I, I see... Joseph Gordon-Levitt attached. Oh, yeah. I think I did see that. I could see him doing Oh, no. It. It's, uh, it's, it's Thomas Sturridge. I don't know who the fuck that is. That's a dream. Oh, God. He was in Velvet Buzzsaw. I already don't, I already don't care. <laughs> I don't know, I've never seen this guy in anything, so... I mean, I guess. Man, I need to read Sandman again. That'll be interesting. Uh, I'd like to see Gwendolyn and Christie in something that actually takes advantage of her talents and isn't, you know, just shoving her behind the helmet and then being like, hey, we blew up the ship you were on, now you're dead. Right. Alright, uh, our final story is that Robin from Stranger Things is getting a book about her backstory for some reason. Hooray, question mark. I feel like the I, I said this before on uh, Twitter, but I feel like this is a Barb situation that they're trying to get in front of because I don't think Maya Hawk is going to be in season four. So they're trying to give you something that has Robin in it. So that way, when season four comes out and she's barely in it or isn't in it at all, you immediately move on from that fact because she's already gotten a book about her life. But like, why though? Because it's not going to have aliens in it because she didn't know about the aliens in season three so it's just going to be about a a sassy girl who works at an ice cream shop i don't know i don't get this uh i don't know why we need this other than to avoid a barb situation but even then that was just annoying and didn't actually do anything okay uh (laughs) speaking of doing nothing let's get into some trailers over in downstream Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! Uh, The first one is for Below Zero. In the middle of the night, a prison van carrying convicts is assaulted. The driver will need to defend himself from those inside and those outside if he wants to make it out alive. 
Uh, I'll, I will go for the low-hanging fruit here. Uh, my interest level is below zero. I don't know. It looks fine. Um, like, it doesn't say anything about who wrote or directed this, but, like, it seems like a like an early filmmaker's attempt to, like, kind of build their chops, I guess, you know? Like, it's a single-location action drama, so. Yeah. Probably, like, you could shoot this on a pretty tight budget and just kind of work on your technique, I guess, so. This is somebody's senior project. I don't know. I don't I don't mean to, like, shit-talk it. I haven't seen it yet, so. All right. But, um, could be interesting. Yeah, it could be. Uh, this as long as it's like short. Like if we're looking at like a long ass fucking movie here, uh, I will lose interest very quickly. But if it, you know, around a hundred minutes, I'll be okay with it. All right. Our next trailer is for To All the Boys, Always and Forever. This is the third movie in the To All the Boys franchise on Netflix. Their first real movie franchise they've had. Uh, this trailer is as long as two trailers should be, mm-hmm. and uh, I watched all three minutes of it, mm-hmm. and now I feel like I don't need to watch the movie. Correct. Because they, they told me the twist that happens that makes their relationship challenging. Yep. And now I'm not really that interested. Yeah, uh, I didn't care for the second movie. I really liked the first movie. That was nice, sweet. If if not formulaic, like you knew what was fucking happening, but I, I like the characters. And the second one, I was just like, eh, fuck this shit. I don't need this in my life. Yeah, kind of diminishing returns on all these boys. Uh, speaking of long trailers, the next one is for I Care A Lot. Uh, a two-and-a-half-minute trailer. Mm-hmm. A crooked legal guardian who drains the savings of her elderly wards meets her match... When a woman she tries to swindle turns out to be more than she first appears. Starring Rosamund Pike, Peter Dinklage, Isa Gonzalez, Diane West, and Chris Messina. No, no, no. Diane Weist. Weist. East? Fuck. I've... I thought you said Weist. <laughs> it's West Patrick. You're fired again. I can't read without my glasses. I need to start wearing my glasses when I do this show. <laughs> Uh, I know of Diane Weiss from Edward Scissorhands. She is uh, the mom who adopts Edward. Hmm. Okay. Uh, any opinions on this? Oh, um, yeah. Rosamund Pike plays a wonderful, wonderful sociopath. I posted on Twitter, but I said, uh, basically, I'm sure she's a wonderful person in real life, but if she ever asked me to do anything for her, I would nope the fuck out of there as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because uh, between this and Gone Girl, like she, I I think she's just born to play sociopaths. Like I I don't know if she can, like she's obviously capable enough to do other roles, but like I don't think any are going to be as successful as like her Gone Girl role, and maybe even this one. We'll see. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, Netflix is posting a lot of quotes in the, in their trailer for some fucking reason. I hate when when people do that. It's like who cares? Just just show me the fucking movie. Just just give me a tease on why I should care about the movie and that are not people's words. Another trailer that we watched is for Animals on the Loose, a You versus Wild interactive movie. You remember when we reviewed the the You versus Wild series? <laughs> I do. <laughs> where where we got to kill Bear Grylls? Yeah, 
that's yeah. basically the only reason I tr- tried to include this trailer is just because we we covered the series and now they've moved it to a movie format, which uh, also looks like Try to Kill Bear Moves, uh, Bear Grylls the movie. Oh, it looks like it'll be fun. So yeah, I look forward to killing Bear Grylls again. You actually have to pay attention because you have to choose how to kill Bear Grylls, but you know, otherwise, whatever. I don't know why Bear Grylls always has to pick up big pieces of elephant shit. I don't know why Bear Grylls always has to drink his own piss, but he does it because <laughs> it's sterile and he likes the taste. Yeah. I'm trapped in the McDonald's play place. I better drink my own piss. All right. And <laughs> our final trailer is for something called The Crew, starring Kevin James. Yes, uh, The Crew stars Kevin James as the crew chief for a NASCAR team. When the owner steps down and passes the team off to his daughter, James has to protect himself from his crew and his crew from her attempts to modernize the team. So is his character in this just Kevin James? I fucking hope so. That'd be great. I hope so. It's Kevin James. I don't know. He doesn't look as morbidly obese in this, which is good. Yeah, that was my first thought, was he doesn't look terrible. But it also could be, like, the fact that in Hubie Halloween, they just gave him a terrible wig and, like, gave him extensions on his beard. Mm-hmm. Like, so that made it look worse. I I genuinely am worried about Kevin James's health. We need to we need to tell him Here Comes the Boom 2 is happening so he can get back in shape. Yeah. Yeah, he was kind of shredded in that movie. Like, not, like cut and lean but yeah like, but like solid yeah like he's still overweight but he looks healthier which is good because he was shirtless for half the movie right like i don't i don't need Ke- i don't need like buff kevin james ever in my life but you know if kevin james just doesn't die under my watch i'll be okay with that yeah that's the whole thing is like i i just want him to not die in a really sad way like I, I got genuinely concerned when we watched Sandy Wexler. Um. Anyway, this piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> it's a Kevin James sitcom about NASCAR. So, uh, let me know what you think of it. Three people in Kentucky who will watch it. NASCAR go fast. I don't know. I I had to. You're making I had another to left turn. I had to. I had to post this just because it was Kevin James. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's about it's about Kevin James trying notable anti-masker Kevin James. Oh, is he? Uh yeah. Oh yeah. Kevin James has made some wild fucking YouTube videos in the last year. Okay. Uh, I did there's, not know that. There's one where he's running from the police because they're coming after him for not wearing a mask. Well then. It is amazing. Um so yeah, uh piece of shit Kevin James uh, will prevent the millennial from gentrifying the NASCAR team. Okay. Uh, before we move on, really quickly, uh, I feel like I have to do this because Caleb doesn't like watching too many trailers. I just want to bring up the other trailers that uh, I skipped over to bring this to five. Yeah, I um, d- Nick or uh, I read the Nick sucks chat room that we're in. Um. <laughs> Yeah, Dan still curated and compiled the list, but uh, I at least got him to chop half of it off. So you're welcome. You're 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 all welcome. We had a trailer for Bonding season two, which I know you watched a bit of Bonding season one. Yeah, it's a pretty good show. 
yeah, so season two is coming out. I think it was. Uh, I think it's a limited show. Like they're only doing two seasons for it anyway. So there's that. Uh, then there's uh one for the last Paradiso, which is a romance movie, which looks generic as fuck. Uh, we had an official trailer for Red Dot. I don't think we need an official trailer for Red Dot. I think the teaser did more than enough for that movie, which is why I like that. That was the first one I cut because we've already seen a trailer for that. Uh, then there's one for We Are the Brooklyn Saints. I don't know what the We Are series is, but it's basically like a bunch of little kids playing football. Uh, so they're going to learn very early in their lives what concussions are. <laughs> uh, then we have the official trailer for Firefly Lane. Uh, we did not care for the tra- the teaser for Firefly Lane, so we skipped that entirely. And then there's one called uh, Strip Down, Rise Up, which uh, looks to be a women's empowerment movement about uh, the stripper pole. Okay. Yep. So you're welcome, Caleb, and all the listeners. You didn't have to hear all the sh- about all the trailers that hit Netflix this week. Uh, but I can tell you about them. Right. Uh, and and with that, we shall move over into quick hits and talk about some stuff we watched this week. All right, and uh, let's start with you, Dan. What did you watch? All right. So I don't know why. I I actually don't know what led to this series of events, but uh, Ashley and I were hanging out, and she's like. Look, if I'm going to watch the Bling Empire, and then she said, and Bling Dynasty is very good. Uh, they should have named it that, but they didn't. So uh, more kudos to me for, you know, saying Bling Dynasty, which was just such a missed opportunity. Uh, Ashley and I watched Bling Empire. Now I'm picturing Flash Gordon screaming death to Bling. I've never seen Flash Gordon, so I don't, I don't get that joke. Have you seen Ted? No. Huh. No, that was that came out during my anti Seth MacFarlane phase, so I didn't so I didn't care. Uh, so Ashley compares it more directly to the Jersey Shore than Real Housewives, but like the Real Housewives-ness is there. Real fake housewives. Real fake housewives. Um, I mean, yeah, like they they get put they the producers are like, hey, you should do this thing, and then they're like, okay, we'll do this thing. Uh, and then they get put in situations, and then, like, the situations develop relationships in certain ways. So, uh, that's at least my understanding of how those sh- those shows work. So, the big thing to note about this show is there are no likable characters whatsoever. Like, and none of them cool. are really entertaining either. But, uh, like, I-, I get it, they're super rich. And they talk about, like, their couture, their Louis Vuitton, and all this shit. And I'm just like, these are all brands I don't care uh, care about at all. So I, like, I don't care about you and, like, your, your, your care about high fashion. And they included a poor Asian person uh, by the name of, I want to say Kevin. I think his name's Kevin. I don't remember. I, I The only person I remember is Amy, and that's because she has horrible, horrible plastic surgery. Uh but Kevin is basically a, a model who, like, is not rich and has just somehow lucked into this situation, basically. So uh, he's supposed to be, like, our ground, like, our ground wire to, like, here's how normal people behave versus how these people who are rich behave. Uh, and it doesn't work because Kevin's also kind of an these asshole. These people. Well, what about the girl who wants to marry for love, Dan? Uh, I remember her. She's with... uh. A Power Ranger. 
the uh, a red Power Ranger. It had it, it would have to be a Power Ranger from after I stopped watching. But uh, she, there's a, a moment where he uh, they they fly to Paris on Amy's private jet because Amy's a psychopath and likes going to Paris. So they fly to uh, they fly to Paris. And then, like, he's super jet-lagged, so he passes out in the, the hotel room. And Amy takes the girl to go shopping. Well, halfway through their shopping trip, he calls up fucking furious that she left him all alone in the hotel room. And, like, he starts screaming at her. And then she comes back, and he apologizes. He starts crying. And it's like, holy fuck, this guy has some mental issues that really need addressed here, and no one's going to talk about it with him? Okay. Uh, but before that, Kevin, the male model... Is talking to this girl at a like a, a a restaurant table, being like, "Hey, why don't you date me? I'm a nice guy." And I'm like, "Boy, this sure is sounding like r slash nice guys right now." Uh, so like Kevin sucks based off of that. So like I said, no likable characters, no interest to go back. Uh, fuck, Bling Empire. But why male models? Didn't you listen to anything I just said? <laughs> Yikes. Well, I'm I'm sorry for your time. Anything else? It happens. Sorry about your arm, Walt Weiss. It happens. <laughs> oh, man. I wish I could do where he's rapping through all the baseball teams, but I can't. Because I don't have that kind of rapping talent. And then uh, I put Bridgerton-ish on, on here because I kind of watch Bridgerton. Like, I'd, I'd walk in for, like, a few minutes at a time. A notable part where I walked in was uh, they're at, like, this gala. And uh, this string version of Billie Eilish's bad guy starts playing. And I go, oh, fuck, that's Billie Eilish's uh, bad guy. And Ashley's like, I have no idea what that is. I'm like, wait, are you telling me you don't listen to modern music? And she's like, no, I didn't realize you did. And I go... I mean, I don't, but I know what fucking Billie Eilish's bad guy sounds like, and that's what it is, well, exactly what it is on this string quartet. I don't know what that is, so you got me there. Oh, man. Mr. Modern Music Liker, apparently. Apparently. Uh, apparently. I mean, the only modern music that I like that isn't uh, of my genre is probably The Weeknd, and that's just because he's a good singer. I don't know. I, think, I don't think Billie Eilish is particularly talented, but then again... Uh, it just feels like she does, like, mumble singing, which, like, whatever. Atlantis, Mor- Atlantis Morissette got big off of that shit, so good for you. I don't really have anything of of substance to say about, about Bridgerton. Like, I know Ashley finished it, and she saw, like, she enjoyed her time watching it, so I'm really speaking for her. She's just in the, in the bedroom watching uh, Real Housewives of Atlanta, and I would l- not like to bother her at this moment in time. All right. Um, I made my wife start watching Night Stalker. Uh, you heard that correctly. I made her watch Wait, it. Wait, why? Because uh, I was quite interested in it. Okay. We've only watched one episode so far, but, uh, I don't know, from what I read, it was, like, I guess the show kind of has some controversy to it, because, like, they use actual, like, crime scene photos and, like, show the actual murder weapons and all kinds of shit, like, it's... People are saying that it's, like, too gory, but, like, not to sound overly morbid, but, like, that's kind of what attracted me to it, is that, like, they aren't doing reenactments with shitty actors and, like, fake blood and, like, desensitizing you to the subject matter. 
Because, like, Richard Ramirez is, like, the worst that humanity has to offer. And, like, they're showing it for the, the horrible, like, acts that it was. And, like, mm-hmm. showing the, the fear that everybody in, like, Los Angeles County was feeling at the time. Because, like, it's, like, the worst. And, I don't know, there's, like, a... There's like a weird like hero worship around people like Jeffrey Dahmer and BTK and stuff. So like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's nice seeing him portrayed as a giant piece of shit. Um, I think there's four episodes to this. We've watched the first one. It's pretty good. Okay. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like we, I think you and I have talked about it before. But like true true crime podcasts, like I just don't understand because most of the time yeah. it does feel like. It's glorifying the the serial killer in some kind of sense or glorifying their actions and kind of like worshiping it because it's like creepy and weird what they're doing. Yeah. So like um, with this, the the thing that got me interested in it and like what I think it is and what I hope that it will be. Is like an actual like chronicling of historical documents. Mm hmm and like interviews about the event and not like hey look at this cool murderer okay well here's hoping because we really need to stop with the the glorification of murderers i think uh if there's something i could praise mindhunter for it's like giving you the true crime podcast kind of aspect of it and then just being like hey no but these guys are really sickos too like just because, uh, oh god, what was that guy's name? Ed Kemper is like a really cool guy, seemingly. Uh, you know, it doesn't change the fact that he fucking murdered countless people. Yeah. All right. So, with uh, all the main stuff that isn't our main review topic out of the way, it's time to cut and do a quick break for our podcast and what we're all about and how to support us. Uh, and after that, we will be joined by Julio the Contrarians podcast to talk about our main review topic for the week, Cobra Kai Season 3. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons, Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy Delarosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, Casey Moore, and Dan's mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, we are, of course, joined by the wonderful Peruvian Majesty himself. I don't know why I said Majesty instead of Majesty. Uh, Julio from the Contrarians Podcast. Welcome. Hello. Pleasure to be here. Good to have you. That was much shorter than I expected. Uh, and we're here to review Cobra Kai Season 3. Uh, that's true. We're talking about Season 3 of Cobra Kai, um, which just came out 
what, January 1st. That's correct. Uh, so in this season, uh, we start off with the aftermath of the school fight from the end of the second season. Miguel is fighting for his life, Robbie's missing, and Daniel and Johnny's reputations are in tatters as the community reacts to the West Valley brawl. Now, Caleb, I know, because I've seen you talk about it on Twitter, that was, for you, the, and I guess for many people, the brawl at the end of season two is just quite possibly the high point of the series so far? Up to that point, yeah. I, there's a lot of stuff in season three that I like a lot. Um, I, <laughs> like, the the Cobra Kai, like, Reddit group like it's it's like the constant running joke like there are no police in this world yep it's like if you can buy that there's almost no consequences after uh season two where like a kid very nearly dies Mm -hmm. like (laughs) if you can get past that everything's fine yes i agree with that but i and i guess i i'm curious because i haven't heard you talk that much about it dan about the end of season two but to me Going into season three, and I think I told you guys on Twitter, I was wondering if the show had jumped the shark. Not that I cared. I was like, I'm still going to watch it because I was having a lot of fun. But it went from being something that was somewhat grounded in reality to just being Mm -hmm. something that's an absolute 80s fantasy. And I'm fine with that, but uh, it's a different show than season one. I was kind of worried about that with the end of season two also, but like, I I feel like the way they went after that, they kind of stuck the landing. It, (laughs) it really is like the, the eighties, like hero fantasy that like, you know, anybody can do anything. And, you know, the nerd gets the girl and all this shit. It's like, uh, it, it, it knows what it is and it leans into it, which I think is to the show's credit. Yeah. For me, I never, thought it was based in any sort of reality. I always felt like it was based in <laughs> 80s reality, uh, 80s movie reality, which is basically like there's no consequences for any actions uh, except for when we need to have a subplot about a character receiving consequences for their actions. So like Robbie going to juvenile detention, that was a thing that's like, oh, this didn't need to happen, but it's yeah. happening because we need to show something in terms of consequences. And then like, well, like, in the very first episode of the very first season, Johnny gets arrested and like they mention he has like a mile long rap sheet and like he never has a court date at any point in the show. <laughs> like there's no consequences. Like he just does things. Yep. I mean, it could be happening off screen. We just don't know how many times his uh, his priest friend has to bail him out. He's uh, not a priest, man. Yeah. Pastor? I Yeah. I think I that's what, what he correct. is. I think that's what he is, but he he constantly says he's not a priest, so he can still get some. <laughs> hmm. That was last season, right? I, I watched all three seasons almost back to back. Oh no, no, no! So no. His priest friend blurry. was like episode three. Uh, but then we see him in season two. Season two is when he meets up with the old his old Cobra Kai partners. Shown up in every season so far. Priest friend? I don't remember. I think he was in season three. And when they take the guy out of the hospital and. Uh, Go party. Yeah, that was in season two. Okay. Yeah. See, but but see, to me, that that aspect of the show, like the the every time that they focus on how these characters from the original movies have aged, 
that to me is my favorite part of the show, and that's the part that's somewhat grounded in the real world. Sure. Uh, where it's like by the end of season two, when you have like karate gangs, that's just you know you're in a different on a different level. Uh, and that was my thing watching season three. I had uh, uh, you know it goes back and forth because there's that running subplot about. What are the Miyagi-Do kids doing while Daniel is off in Japan? Mm-hmm. I liked it, but it was not... It didn't feel as real as, you know, just Johnny and Daniel kind of, like, having their... their uh, his reckonings with their pasts and all that. Uh, and I bring it up because I don't have a problem with uh, Daniel's daughter, with Sam. Uh, but you guys were hinting at not being big fans of her. Uh, whenever we were talking on Twitter. I don't know. I've never been a fan of her whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I just think she's annoying. Uh, I think she got better this season. Her arc of basically having PTSD from fighting with Tori, I felt was interesting. Like, she'll kick everybody else's ass, but she can never fight Tori. And that at least made her more interesting and made Daniel actually, you know, have to be a parent to his actual daughter as opposed to, uh, you know, all, all the other Miyagi-Do kids. Yeah, I I like that. And I like that she feels the need to kind of step up into a leadership role with her father kind of, you know, gone and all the kids looking up to her for somebody to tell them what to do to protect them. So I actually liked it. But at the same time, I was fully aware that I was not as engaged by her subplot as I was with other things in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's when I was thinking, oh, yeah, I think that's what helped me realize that the disconnect uh, when I'm watching the show is just that, oh, well, when it's about Sam and Miyagi-Do, it's really about these kids that are just fighting and living in this world where the adults have almost zero power. And uh, uh, and I was wondering how much if that affected you guys when you were watching. You know, I mean? It's like, oh, maybe they don't like Sam because it's on a different level uh, than than everything else. And I don't know. I mean, the 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 rest of the show, uh, especially the Johnny Miguel uh, thing, that was like, I was so happy that they went back to that mm-hmm. after season one because uh, uh, I felt that season two, Miguel kind of faded into the background a little bit while they were building up the rest of the world, uh, and then this season they brought him back. Probably my favorite aspect of the show is the interaction between Johnny and Miguel and how they each make the other one grow. So uh I think that that's that's when the when the show is uh its best. Yeah, definitely. Like I like Johnny and Miguel are the heart of the show, so you know, that anything that kind of takes the focus and puts it more on them, I I've generally enjoyed with the show, so. Yeah, they're the heart of the show. Uh, the like the the whole Miguel winning the All Valley Martial Arts Tournament in season one was like the the main lead arc and it just so happened that daniel larusso was also there and you know it's uh johnny lawrence's surrogate son fighting his actual son and we're still getting that you know three two seasons later so maybe even three seasons we'll see yeah and um i mean like the whole like in the in the second season like Johnny kind of steps up to kind of keep Miguel from going down the same path as him. Like, uh, 
so like in in the first season like Johnny's developing Miguel into like a badass fighter and then he's season 2 Johnny's like oh too far we got to like walk this back like teach him honor and responsibility and stuff too and then you know season 3 takes on more of a direct parental role almost so mm-hmm. it's uh yeah it's cool to see kind of how they choose to focus on different things throughout each season and um like their their relationship progresses and kind of evolves with that yeah i felt that uh if anything i think robbie is the one that got the the miguel treatment this season i i felt that robbie was the one that, that was put in the back burner for for a while like they they threw him in prison in and then he basically didn't come back until the very end I feel like they don't know what the fuck they want Robbie's character arc <laughs> yeah. to be. Because it's like, season one, he's a shithead who gets redeemed and becomes kind of a good guy. And then season two, he's a good guy who is still haunted by the demons of his past. And then, like, in this season, he's just a total fucking shitheel <laughs> for no reason. Because he's trusted both father figures he's had in his life and got burned, so now he's moving on to other things. He's moving on to an to, even worse... To a third <laughs> shitty father <Yeah>. figure. <laughs> I mean, I, I've never felt that that kid was dumb. That Robbie was. I mean, I felt that he was a kid and he acted impulsively or whatever, but him actually taking up Kreese on his offer to, to mentor him seemed like a really dumb decision. Uh, yeah, out of everything else he's done. Uh, yeah, let's have a third karate dad who's gonna fucking let me down. <laughs> uh, yeah, but do you love Crease? I I don't know. I mean, I think if we were to rank who loves Crease the most, that's like you first, Caleb, then Dan, and then me, right? Yeah, Crease is my favorite cinematic villain of all time. Like, no joke. He's just. He's, like, the only character that I can think of off the top of my head who is just, like, purely, irredeemably, and deliciously evil all the time. Like, he's just such a fucking cocksucker. So. But they really try this season as they, uh, we now have a backstory for why Kreese is the way that he is. Right. Like, I don't know if I that I needed them to humanize Kreese, but like, I don't know. I liked, I liked his story. I was wondering how it was going to pay off, because it, when it turned out that it wasn't a, just a, a one episode thing, was it two or three episodes? I know so it, it was it only just like three or four. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of flashed back to it here and there. Yeah, it, and I was wondering how it was going to tie in with everything at the end. And I guess they, I mean, they did fine, so... He learned to be ruthless. I liked how they kind of turned that on its head, where, um, you know, like when it first shows him, you think he's going to be the jock with the girl picking on the guy, but it turns out he's the kid getting bullied yeah. who ends up, you know, kind of stepping up and kicking the dude's ass and then going on to be a badass. So, yeah, it was really good casting for both of those guys because once you, like, you see the guy from Stanford come in and he's like yo i'm a jock asshole and you're like ah there's crease and then you see the other guy <laughs> yeah and they slowly give him like the crease hair and you're like oh okay now i see the john crease yeah and the the name of that guy that crease beat up outside the diner stephen hawking 
I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> it's it's definitely not. Okay. Okay. A guy who was across his friends uh, across the booth's for, uh, name, Albert Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> See, that I know it's not true for a fact. <laughs> uh, I I don't know if you guys heard this. I I had read that uh, the the showrunners had said that three characters were supposed to that were going to die this season. This was before season three came out. I guess when they were teasing it. I think I and, remember uh, Caleb talking about that. It it was like on an interview. I don't know, but it was a while ago because season three took so long to come out. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, by the time that I was watching season three, I'd completely forgotten. And it wasn't until the show was over that I realized that oh, nobody died. Well, Aisha, <laughs> Stingray, <laughs> and uh, who else was in season two that they didn't bring back for this one? Oh, fuck. There, I feel like there was one other person. But... Yeah. Um, I don't know. I do I do miss Aisha being in the show. Yeah. Um, which, like, I guess just whenever they made the jump to Netflix, they didn't renew her contract or she didn't want to come back or something. I don't know. But. I, I missed her in this season. Stingray, I didn't miss really at all. No, I, I'm okay with him not being there. I, I think with Aisha, <laughs> they like literally wrote nothing for her in season two except for being like a friend foil for Tori uh, from Sam, and that sets up the Sam mm-hmm. Tori Tori rivalry. And then it's like, all right, well, I guess we don't need Aisha anymore. Move on. But the fact it, it just felt. I felt bad that they wouldn't even that they wrote her off in one line of dialogue because she's been kind of a major character over two seasons and then Stingray yeah. is fine. Stingray and then was they a joke. were just like, "Oh, she's in private school now." Yeah, it's like not even a you know give her one scene where she says goodbye and then just and then she goes. But yeah. no, 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 she had to die on on the way back to her home planet. <laughs> yeah, uh, you'd warned me, Caleb, because you'd said I. You'd said that Aisha wasn't that they've written her off, her and Stingray, before I watched the episode, and uh, I was not expecting them to just give us that information so quickly and so efficiently. I think within ten minutes of the episode starting. <laughs> yeah, like they just explain away her non-existence, like so, it, like it's almost like they they do like uh like an Alien Three, where it's like oh. Sorry, these characters that you knew and loved just died in between movies. But that's fine. I mean, if if losing Aisha, Stingray, and I guess a third character that we can't even remember uh, made room for uh, Kumiko and uh, Chosen, 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 Chosen. Yeah. I, that's that's yeah. a trade so, that I, I can I can live with. I I love this because now they're digging into movie two shit and in. Spoilers for season four, they're digging into movie three shit. So, like, if there is, like, an obscure side character from a Karate Kid movie that, you know, you will see a grown-up version of them and say, oh, hey, it's that one guy. This this is the show for you. Because, <laughs> like, they're all back. But what about uh, Hilary Swank? Where is she? I mean, she's around. She comes in season five. I mean, she she's on that show away. It's not like Netflix can't get her. Yeah, I didn't know she was in a. She had a show right now, uh, but I that's the one well, I not haven't anymore. Seen. Yeah, oh. that, that show got canceled. <laughs> it went away. Sorry. Heyo. <laughs> sure. Uh, I that's the only movie that I haven't seen, and uh, two and three I've only seen once each, and it was a long time ago, and it's still 
the all the callbacks worked like magic. Oh yeah, I was so pumped the entire trip to Japan. I mean, yeah. even though I expected it, because I was already excited at the idea that he might do something that was oh, related yeah. to uh, the second movie. It, I was just still surprised by how much it worked on me, like uh, the letter, and then the, and we finally see Chosen smile and fuck with Daniel. That was just great. Uh, oh, you've seen um, them recently. See, right? I grew up with, I grew up with uh, the first and second movies. I would routinely, like every month or two, just like watch movie one and two back to back. But I never saw the third one until uh like two or three months ago whenever i talked about it on the show mm-hmm. and uh the movie is a colossal piece of shit <laughs> and i fucking love it uh dan you haven't seen it yet right no i don't one? no it's been years since i've watched the first karate kid movie uh and i don't think i'll ever rewatch it just because like the daniel san in japanese accent was such a part of my childhood like along with Dan the Man, like I fucking like if there are two nicknames that I could fucking send to the Shadow Realm forever, it'd be those two. Uh, but wait, so have you seen the second one? Nope. How did that work for you then? How, watching the entire trip to Japan, in terms of them doing the flashbacks, so I knew what the fuck was going on. I appreciated it greatly. Uh, so if if you're somebody who has never watched. The Karate Kid movies, I don't feel like you have to with the show. I mean, we talked about that when we did, when they did the, the first season flashbacks. Like, th- those all worked and fit into the narrative and worked fine. That's what makes this work show work so well, is, like, it stands on its own, but it rewards you for having seen the other movies. And, like, so few, like, tie-in shows like that can kind of nail that uh, balance. Well, so, they're pretty shameless about it, which I think helps. They they'll just throw footage from the old movies, like the like they're you know not afraid of it, right? <laughs> which is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, I I mean I guess it worked. I have no context for what happened in in Japan at all. I'm just like, oh, uh, guy got mad at, at at Daniel because he smiled at a girl. So now <laughs> they have to battle for, to the death over this girl for some reason. It's kind of mm-hmm. the plot of the first one. And then there one. was a storm, and he saved a girl from a storm, and she went to work for the car company. Yeah. And then save Daniel's business. So say he's so save her life, she'll save your business. That's how... Yeah, save the cheerleader, save the world. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, even though it's a very fairy tale uh, way of solving the problem. Almost like it's it tracks with what we've seen so far. Uh, it's 80s fantasy. Like I said, this right. is grounded in the reality of an 80s fantasy. And I'm fine with that. Like, I'm fine with, oh, Daniel-san, you know, saved this girl 40 years ago. Uh, and now she's like, yo, dog, I want to help you out by returning the favor and saving your auto dealership. But do you like Daniel? That's the other thing. No. I get the feeling that I like Daniel a lot more than you guys do. No, I fucking hate <laughs> that guy. That guy <laughs> is, like, I I was doing the, uh, the D&D... Alinity chart, and Daniel is like lawful good, but in the worst fucking way. Like, he, like in reality, he's probably like lawful evil because he's he's just the worst. Like everything he does, like he feels like he's doing good intention stuff and failing. Uh, and Johnny's trying to do good intention stuff and failing, but I also feel like he's just better at failing, or at least 
charming me into believing like hey he's he's really trying out there with daniel it, like comes from like this place of arrogance that he's like i'm bringing be- be- like better stuff into the world well i think it might it might hurt him that it also comes at, at least from our point of view comes from a position of privilege because he has the family he has the the, the business he has the wealth i guess or at least the means uh I still, I think that maybe it's just because I liked the movie so much when I was a kid that that carries over. And I just, I like him. I mean, I still, I'm rooting for him, which I I felt like also was helping me enjoy the trip to Japan and him uh, coming out on top. Like, I'm not not rooting against him. Uh, I'm certainly rooting for Johnny, which I think is maybe the show's greatest achievement that they've convincingly turn him into a three-dimensional character mm-hmm. that you care for but uh but i like daniel and uh, honestly i i guess the entire time in the show i'm like all right but at some point you guys are gonna bury the hatchet that has to be, that's the end game <laughs> of the show to show right. that you guys can move past all the bullshit from previous years which uh i think mm-hmm. that that's the finale of season three took us so much closer to that or at least you know pointed in the right direction we'll see yeah well, that's what, like, I think I think I brought this up when we talked about seasons one and two, but, like, um, Cobra Kai and Miyagi-Do are, like, perfect complements to each other. It's like, if you can learn both, you'll be unbeatable, because, like, Cobra Kai is perfect offense and Miyagi-Do is perfect defense. So, like, that that was always the plan. I laugh because I remember this, and Caleb's theory was Aisha is going to be the one who masters both. And it's like, nope, written out of the show. <laughs> oh, did yeah, you say Aisha? I thought you had said Johnny. I might have misheard. Because to me, I was like, okay, well, I can see I can't. If, if Johnny. Like, I, I feel like it was open-minded. Aisha, but I mean, it was either Johnny or Aisha. Who cares? Aisha cares. Oh, Aisha definitely <laughs> or, cares. Or, Dim- or Dimitri, because he's he's our one true uh, second coming of Christ. All right, so can we talk about Dimitri this season? Uh, yes, please yeah. tell us, Dan, what what your emotional journey was. I, I don't fucking Dimitri. hate him this season. Like, last season, he yeah, was a whiny no, little bitch the whole, the whole time. He's pretty good. He was everything that Johnny Lawrence bitched about in, you know, from his guys, stop being pussies, that was Dimitri. Uh, and, and finally, he stopped being a pussy, and I, I hate him less. I, I I'm teetering on liking him because like he isn't insufferable at this point, but I'm more neutral on him than probably most people. So what what made you turn the corner? Was it that he he started making out with a uh, I don't know I remember hot the name girl? Of the girl no yeah uh, no it was really just he stopped complaining. <laughs> See, uh, it it was cool going back and watching through this again because in like the third episode. Um, he's like eye banging Yaz from across the room and is like, man, I would let her spit in my face, you know, just so that like I would have some interaction with her or whatever. And now season three, like she's a loser. His star is on the rise and they totally, uh, are smushing butts. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I liked them in, in season two against. I guess my better judgment because he was pretty annoying, but I and and I don't know. Again, this show it just toes that line so well because I don't know how, but they made me believe that he could luck out and and deliver that kick and knock Hawk out. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
which is crazy because, you know, you would think the way they portray the character through season two, there's no way, you know, he seems hopeless. And yet somehow he manages to sell that moment and that sets off the rest of season three. Uh, it, and through season three, I, I I liked him fine. I mean, he's, yeah, he, he's complained less, but he's still, I mean, I don't know. He still feels like the same character, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just that he talks less. And I think that's the nice thing about him. It's like, yeah, complaining can sometimes be comedic and funny. But when you're doing it constantly, it it gets on everyone's fucking nerves. Like, and that's all he did during Miyagi Do training was just bitch, bitch, bitch. And it was like, dude, you are not charming enough for this. Didn't you hate Hawk too, Dan? Uh, I hated him in season two, but I think I was supposed to. Uh, in, in this season, uh, I hate him less because they start to come around to the fact that. You know, maybe he's starting to regret his actions, and maybe he's feeling like current direction Cobra Kai isn't for him. <laughs> he's not, like, cartoonishly evil right. in this one. <laughs> well, he had that, I mean, I, I season two has, I think it's season two, the episode that opens with him, his flashback, like, you see him when mm-hmm. he was still, before he was Hawk, and I felt that that was, I don't know, I, I, I like that a lot, and, uh, yeah, here in season three... It honestly, and this is more on me than on the show, I think, I almost missed his big turn. I think it's in the finale when... Play the ending for you. No, no, I don't want to see how it ends. Okay, I could describe it. Um, imagine you're in a room. No, no, like, no, 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 I don't want to know how it ends. I haven't seen the beginning. Uh, yeah, but the ending is awesome. So if I could just play the... bitch, this is what you always do. You always spoil stuff uh, for me. No, I don't. And if I could just play the ending for you real quick, then we'll discuss that. Motherfucker, you always spoil everything before I get a chance okay, to see Okay, you sound like a crazy person right now. When he starts fighting against Cobra Kai, you know, he switches sides in the middle of the fight. Uh, I mean, if I'm correct, it happens because the... Uh, Sam's old boyfriend the the guy that's a complete ass tyler tyler right tyler is beating up dimitri kyler with a k cobra kyler there we go Uh, Uh, that's perfect actually (laughs) uh that guy like he kind of like high fives him or whatever and that's and that causes uh hawk to realize that he's basically he's become that guy is that how do you guys read it that way because that was after the fact, I was like, what made him change? And I realized that that's probably what had happened. Did you guys see that? Or do you have a different read as to why he uh, he switched sides? I think he just really regretted it whenever there's a series of karate rumbles in this. And, like, Hawk ends up injuring Dimitri pretty badly. And then, like, seeing Dimitri put in that same position after the fact, like, coupled with hawk like really badly regretting having done that i think just kind of pushed him to say like you know enough's enough fuck this you know and and like switch sides so uh it's when we saw kyler first join cobra kai and beat the shit out of uh ass face that like we see hawk start to object to like what crease is doing like up until that point hawk is pretty much like all about it like he 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 doesn't object to the mouse getting fed to the cobra he kicks the the pole to knock down the bonsai plant which obviously signifies miyagido and like so so you can tell he's still buying in with what crease is doing it's when kyler shows up that he's like but i fucking hate this guy that he goes okay maybe this isn't right and so he's like 
forcing himself to like figure out what he wants to do with himself throughout the rest of the season because he's conflicted because he doesn't want to really be associated with a guy who made his life miserable. Yeah, I was I was glad they brought that guy back uh, because he's really good at being an asshole. Being an asshole, yes. Assaulting a minor, actually assaulting three minors. They were <laughs> they were kind of bricks. <laughs> Wait, was the homeless lady in season three? She Maybe was. she was the third character that died. No, no homeless okay. lady. No, she was there. That's right. Yeah. I mean, technically, I guess they uh Kreese in the flashback, Kreese kills his Oh yeah, I was gonna theory. say there's there's three people who die in Kreese's flashbacks. So I mean technically <laughs> those are the three characters. Yeah. Technically true. Uh no, that's I I'm I really want bait. what was it, John John Hurwitz? Is that is that his name? The creator? I want him to be like, yes, the three characters were a uh, random troop member from Kreese's troop, the the captain, and his, his sweetheart back at home. Those are the three characters that I'm talking about who died. <laughs> <laughs> because right. if so, that is such a fucking cop-out. Yeah, I I remember when I read that, I was wondering if they would kill Daniel. You know, just for, for a big, shocking... Boy, that would be wild. Be wild. Uh, but that that changes the tone of the show. I mean, you, I don't think that you can go back to the happy-go-lucky adventures after that because you're basically you have a widow and an orphan like as <laughs> part of the main characters and a fresh a fresh loss. Uh, and then Johnny marries Amanda. Oh my! <laughs> and becomes Sam's dad. There you go. And then masters Miyagi-Do, <laughs> and then defeats Kreese. <laughs> I mean that's that's a way that it could go, but uh, no, I'm, right, I like, I'm now like writing my poor fan fiction. I hope you all enjoy it. Make it slash fiction. Dan fiction. <laughs> slash fiction. It's just gonna be nothing but Johnny fucking Amanda the whole time. <laughs> uh, she would give him a run for his money. She. I like Amanda. I. That's another. I, I think one of the other big achievements of the show is just that they they wrote. Because they could have fallen into the trap of just making a naggy wife, but instead, she she doesn't she doesn't nag at Daniel. She, I mean, she gets mad at him from time to time, but she's overall pretty supportive without being while having her own opinions. Sure. Uh, so that, that's that's great, and it's not like she gets a lot of badass moments. I mean, she has like a confrontation with Kreese at one point in the season, but. I, I really like that she feels like her own character. It's not like mm-hmm. she's there just to service her husband, uh, her husband's plot. You know what? If everybody on this show fucking listened to Amanda and Moon, there would be no conflict. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but the other thing is, is like we do get a series of events where we listen to Amanda, where yep. she's like, all right, let's go to the police. And it's like... Nah, we're not here to help you because uh, you did some things. And she's like, "All right, fuck it. Let's go go to the landlord. Try to get him evicted." And the landlord's like, "Ah, my guy, my my nephew's got the shit kicked out of him. I can't help you." And it's like, "All right, we tried your way. Now karate." <laughs> <laughs> the two extremes: Amanda's way and Miyagi's way. Uh, that's that's the one point in the season that the the police make an appearance. Yeah. After that, it's like, what are police? Has anyone heard of these police before? They're busy uh, doing all the paperwork for those restraining orders. They're busy being called by Daniel to sneak up on Robbie. <laughs> okay, so two appearances they're, from the police. They're, they're, 
I was going to say they're busy letting rioters into the Capitol building. Oh. <laughs> and taking selfies. There's there's the Caleb I know and love. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> uh, I have two things that I want to bring up. Uh, one, uh, should I ever find myself in a Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift situation, I am buying myself a 93 Dodge Caravan because the way that man fucking drove that 93 Dodge Caravan was insane. Just watching it drift around the corner. Oh, yeah. I'm like, fuck, why didn't you market it like this to soccer moms back in the day? <laughs> also, um, whenever Robbie stole the 93 Dodge Caravan and it had the GPS tracker in it, and like uh, Daniel and Johnny were tracking it down, and they ended up in the middle of like a park that had like bags of garbage all over the place. I was watching this with my wife, and she goes, "Oh no, Robbie's living in the trash." <laughs> and I looked at her, and I was like, "Are you fucking kidding?" <laughs> uh, was that the, were they trying to make him look like? I I know they were they were trying to make it look like he had had a rough time, but I th- I I thought that he still looked fairly well put together i don't know how long he had been supposed to be he's a good looking guy in the street like he they just give him the worst fucking haircuts and that's my second point can we fucking get robbie a real haircut that doesn't look like complete dog shit please Mm -hmm. (laughs) there are three acceptable haircuts crew cut buzz cut high and tight and and look i am uh balding severely and, and i really can't complain too much about hair but I will say, as somebody without hair and wish that I had hair, I would want my hair to look good. And Robbie's hair has not looked good at all in any episode of this series. But is that on purpose? I mean, that's that could be uh, an aesthetic decision from the from the showrunners. Uh, like, if we give this guy good a good hairdo slash haircut, then it might be too much. You know, you you'd be rooting for him too much. I was already rooting for him after the first season. That's why. That's where you give him the good haircut, and then you start scaling it back to being garbage. <laughs> they overshot. That's that's the problem. Uh, I guess the final thing I'll bring up is a couple editing snafus. Uh, this is probably some of the worst stuff I've noticed in a long time. So, like, there's a confrontation between Crease and Johnny at a bar, uh, and Crease is like, "All right, I'm out." And drinks the last of his drink, and then it does a cut back to Johnny from Crease's angle, and you see that his drink still has some booze in it, and I'm like, oh, that's pretty bad. And then there's other times where like they'll do a reverse shot, and someone will start talking, but their mouth isn't moving in the reverse shot, and it's like, ah, uh, I feel like you guys could have been a little tighter with this. I don't know. That's just me. I'm noticing these things, and I normally don't notice this shit. Like, I guarantee I wouldn't have noticed the Starbucks cup in Game of Thrones, like. <laughs> try it. Try a little bit. You only get five takes with John Kreese, so you, then you just edit what you what you can with what you have. I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, there were a couple instances in this season where like they could have really fucked it up bad, and I'm glad that they sidestepped that. Like they did, they did the thing correctly. Other than that, like I'm I'm fully on board with this. Like I'll watch this show for as long as they make it Mm -hmm. like this this show seems to have just a fucking unlimited economy sized jug of fucking rocket sauce that like (laughs) it's always good no matter what i i agree wholeheartedly and you know what i not that i wouldn't watch it if it was uh 
hour long episodes, but the the shorter runtime helps a lot. Oh uh, yeah. It just it flies by. And and I love it. It's just because I just feel like, well, I can watch one more episode and, and it's not like a huge commitment. And because of the way that it's designed, it just then I watch another one and another one. It made it so easy to binge on top of everything else. It's uh I wanna see more thirty minute episode uh shows. Yeah. Less episodes. How about just fewer episodes overall in most shows? Like, you know, no more than six hours per season. That's fine. Um, did you feel that, that this one, or have you felt that any of the seasons had too many episodes? Because I, I actually haven't. I, no. I didn't. I couldn't tell you that I felt that there was an episode that was just filler. No, there's, I mean, they're going north of 30 minutes now uh, on Netflix. Like, uh, the other ones, like, were all under 30 minutes except for, like, season finales, which, like, okay, that's fine. Like, you're trying to stuff in as much uh, story and action and, and such into a finale episode to set up the next season. Totally understand that. But, like, we're hitting, like, 35-minute episodes here, and it's like, well, that was the finale episode of season one length. Like, uh, we we don't need that. Like, we don't need, you know, like, I, I don't want them getting up to, like, an hour-long season finale episode like, i I don't need that shit in my life unless they're actually killing someone unless matters. they're actually killing somebody who's a real character that isn't unless they're killing john kreese yeah. <laughs> two Whoa. hour finale maybe that's gonna be the end of the show is like uh daniel larusso and johnny lawrence both go to jail for <laughs> killing john kreese and terry silver <laughs> was that the guy at the end <laughs> Uh, like uh, I know, I know he was calling uh, they, up somebody. They allude to it, yeah. I, but I didn't know if like the guy, the army buddy, is like, "I owe you, man. I know, I I owe you a favor." And then he's like, "Hey, it's been a yeah, long time." That was Terry Silver. He was the villain in Karate Kid Part Three. Mm-hmm. He was the guy I said was like sitting in a jacuzzi bath with an old timey uh, phone, like chomping on a cigar, saying like, "You gotta dump the nuclear waste in the river." <laughs> Like, kill the kids! Yeah! I'm the bad guy in the movie! So that guy, I, I read, and again, this was a while ago, so obviously he could have changed his mind, but I read that he had said that he had no interest in going in coming back and reprising his role. Which, That's because Netflix didn't back up the dump truck yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking <laughs> that could have been like back in the YouTube years. and uh, But also... They could recast him, and I don't know that many people would notice. You know what I mean? It's like it's one mm-hmm. thing to to recast John yeah. or Daniel, but if you recast Terry Silver, uh, that's that's a smaller percentage of people that are going to notice. Um, because honestly, like whenever they filmed Karate Kid Part Three, Terry Silver was supposed to be like twice Daniel's age, but the actual actor was like, I think a couple years younger than ralph macchio was at the time or like they were real close in age um so like they could just go with an older looking actor which would make more sense honestly just give him a ponytail he had a ponytail right or is that his student that yes. had a ponytail? okay uh his student has said that he he wants to come back or that he's open to coming back hi yes i would also like a payday please thank you <laughs> you got chosen <laughs> i guess that's true so, so the big reveal. Did you did you guys know that Elizabeth Shue was actually coming back for or that was coming into the season? I assumed that she would. It was in the trailer. Was it? Yeah. Oh, okay, so it was in the trailer that I saw. 
because the, Caleb watches only a minute and a half. He probably didn't see it, but it was at the end of the main trailer for this season. So when did they release that? Because, I mean, I, I guess the last one I saw was, it just said January, you know, at the end for the release date. And uh, it showed Japan. It might have even shown Kumiko, but it didn't show Elizabeth Shue at all. I mean, I would remember. Uh, did it show her, like... I know, I'm pretty sure the trailer showed Chosen. It show, I, I remember, uh, I think there was a teaser showing Chosen. And him going yeah. to Japan. But, like, Elizabeth Shue was very much a... I'll, I have to look for this, but Elizabeth Shue was very much, like, maybe a second trailer kind of thing. Okay, so you, were, you Dan, were not surprised by it. Uh, and I guess Caleb and I... Well, I know I was. <laughs> uh, which is... I mean, I knew... Uh, because, you know, I had to, like, write about the show before I actually started watching it. So I knew how season two ended with the, with the friend request that Johnny hadn't seen. And, uh, but because they kind of, as I was watching both, both seasons, it's like, they reference her character a lot, but in my mind, I was like, well, they, that, that could just be something that the show does. And that is going to just always be a thing, but that doesn't mean that she's coming back. So I was pleasantly surprised when she showed up at the end of season three. Uh, and it worked. I mean, to me, Elizabeth Shue is the MVP of season three, and she only has mm-hmm. like two episodes. Yeah. But it's, uh, for one, and I, I like the cast. I, I even think uh, Macchio is is fine. I, okay, you don't we like can disagree acting. there. <laughs> I think he does what he needs to do in this role. You know, I, I don't know that I could see him as anything else other than Daniel LaRusso, but for what is required of him here, because he has to be such a dork, like, I buy it. Uh, but Elizabeth Shue comes in, and it's like, oh, wow, like, an actress. You know yeah, what look, I mean? a real actress. <laughs> right, and, it, and and I know it, it sounds mean, because I like everybody else in the cast. Like, like I said, I think Amanda's great, mm-hmm. uh, and the, the kids are good, you know? I mean, some are obviously more seasoned than others, or more just naturally talented than others. And, uh, and I think uh, Johnny, I mean, he's... I didn't know William Zabka about, you know, from anything else, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not even that he's just grown on me over the seasons, but I think that they've given him more stuff to do and he's been nailing it. Yeah. Uh, but like Elizabeth Shue comes in and it's like she had never left. It, it just, it was just so, uh, I mean, going back to like, oh, when the show feels the most real, like that was all her scenes with Johnny. And then when it's the three of them and then the four of them with Amanda, uh, I was like, man, this is really good stuff. And it's still Cobra Kai with all the silliness and whatever, but it was just uh, the way that they brought her in to, one, like, do great fan service, but then also to kind of push Johnny and even Daniel forward in their emotional journeys. Like, that was great. I I don't know how you guys felt about the, the almost kiss and if you guys were rooting for her oh, to I was actually, actually hook up with Johnny. It. Yeah, I was I was actively against that. That was where they really could have fucked it up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so does that mean that you guys are rooting for him to uh, to to have a, a I guess a second serious thing with uh, Miguel's mom, or do you just not want it to happen because you don't think it's a good idea overall? Two things: I want Johnny to progress and move forward with his life instead of living in the past yes. for another thirty years. <laughs> Um, and also like, I think that him and, you know, 
Miguel's whole family unit kind of work together pretty well. Mm-hmm. So I want that to be a thing. Uh, for me, it was more he seems committed to Carmen and like him con- continually trying to like live back up to his quote unquote glory days. Uh, I don't want to see that happen. I want like the kid says, I want to see him move forward with his life and, you know, try something new and try not to fuck up the something new. Yeah, I, I, it just felt so good. I, I guess I even liked the tease of like they almost did it and then they didn't. Right. It, it's. I was very, very happy. I don't know if she'll ever come back into the show, but uh, if she, if we never see her character again, I'll be perfectly happy because to me it was they did her character justice. You know, in a way that I also feel like they did Kumiko a chosen justice. You know, in a smaller way, but. Uh, they've treated their their returning actors really well. I mean, John Kreese also, uh, which, you know, just what we were talking about uh, a little bit earlier. Uh, and I think this is kind of what you were hinting at at the end, but it's, I guess, at this point, if you've been a part of the Karate Kid franchise and they haven't called you for Cobra Kai yet, mm-hmm. you're probably feeling left out. <laughs> Pretty much. Like... You see this and you're like, wow, William Zabka's like actually taking a turn as a, as a serious actor. They 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 give him actual things to do that isn't like cartoonishly bad guy kid. They're they're giving him actual roles and you're just like sitting there on your couch being like, but I was the janitor for the school in Karate Kid. Like, where's my callback? <laughs> uh, well, there was uh, Daniel had a well, not even like. Uh, an official love interest in part three, but there was a girl that, if, from what I remember, Caleb can probably correct me, uh, it's somebody that he hangs out with, but she has a boyfriend, so they never really get romantically involved. But she's kind of his sidekick during the movie. And, you know, I don't know what she's doing. Yeah, I, f- I forget what her name was. I was thinking that too. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if she shows up for some fucking reason. And like I said, I'm still waiting on Hillary Swank. She has nothing to do right now, so she has plenty of time and probably needs a paycheck. If they do, I, I would hope that there's this storyline would have to do with some sort of petty, jealous reaction from Daniel when he realizes that he wasn't Miyagi's only star pupil. Oh, so you mean a normal Daniel storyline? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, you know, because that would make it interesting. Yeah. Uh, and and then you know we, then you have the problem of a oh, man is Hillary Swank going to act circles around Daniel or uh, or we're we gonna get the Hillary Swank from uh oh, fuck what's that Soderbergh movie it's about Logan the, Lucky Logan Lucky I don't know if you guys have y- seen y- it but yes we reviewed it on the countdown but anyway yeah if you give me Hillary Swank at the end of season four to lead into season five and maybe that's where the show ends once. Daniel comes to terms with the fact that he's not as special as he thought he was. Uh, that's a good arc for him. I don't know what else you do with the other characters, though. Nah, who cares? Daniel versus Hillary Swank, that's all I want. I want to I want to watch Ralph, Ma- Ralph Macchio die in an, in an acting accident when <laughs> Hillary Swank murders him through acting. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I have... That's all I had as far as, like, super spoiler stuff. I didn't want to bring up Elizabeth Shue because... I, I mean, I didn't know she was in the trailer, but I thought that... So I looked at that trailer. Uh, you're right. It was just Japan. Like, she was a surprise, but I, I for some reason, knew that she was in the show. I don't know how, but I just did. 
Yeah, but I guess I, I I forgot to ask you, Caleb. Like, how did you like the the Elizabeth Shoe like surprise? I guess because Diana already knew apparently. I made my peace with it, you know, at the end of season two, because like Johnny throws his phone into the ocean, and uh, then it shows like notify like Allie Mill Schwarber added you as a friend or whatever. So it's like I I knew it was coming. Yeah, well, I guess I'm 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 more naive than both of you. <laughs> it's like, is she coming? <laughs> well, not not in this show. She's not coming. <laughs> Let's write a sex joke to end it. All right. Well, whatever would he give Cobra Kai season three? Julio, so we'll start with you. Huh? Season three on its own. I'm gonna go with four stars. Potential to go up to 4.5 upon rewatch. Look at you, super fan. Dude, I was under its spell. Yeah, I think four stars. It's it's a pretty damn good show. And I go three and a half. Yeah, it's a pretty good show. Just for, because I don't remember, for reference, what did you guys rate the earlier ones? Because I don't remember if you even did. Three and a half. Okay. Like I I enjoy the show. It's dumb fun. If you think too hard about it, you will break your brain. Like and I feel like that's the whole point of the Amanda character is to be like, "Hey, this character also feels the same way you do." And look how immediately she gets shut down because her her worldview is based in a reality that isn't in this show. <laughs> you know what's crazy though? Because you know, I mean, I, I know at least Dan knows. I I uh, Stranger Things doesn't really work for me. Certainly not on the level that Cobra Kai does, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and it's partly because I the the nostalgia injections of it, you know, I don't respond to them. And yet, I mean, Cobra Kai does kind of the same thing, where it's just a lot of it. I know that a lot that those four stars come have to do a lot with just my nostalgia for, you know, what it's doing. The mm-hmm. flashbacks work for me. The references work for me. But it's the kind of the same thing. It's just like, hey, we're in the '80s school. We're in the it wasn't we're in the '80s fun. I know they're two very different shows, but at the same time, there's like it would be very easy for me to just write off Stranger Things as in like, well, I don't care for '80s nostalgia. But then Cobra Kai comes along, and I was like, oh, well, I care about this type of '80s nostalgia. So uh, I wonder if that has to do with the setting. Like Stranger Things is firmly planted in the '80s and it's taking like this very romanticized look at the '80s, and that's this true. is taking a romanticized look at the 80s, but also kind of being like, hey, uh, it's, you, you know, it's really charming when William Zabka says stuff that he said in the 80s, but, you know, maybe set today, not the best stuff, you know, calling people pussies all the time, maybe we shouldn't be doing that. I don't know. Like, I feel like there's always that grounding. Like, yes, it's still an 80s fantasy to a degree, but there's also like, hey, we're still in 2020. Like, so we have to play by some of 2020's rules. Even though, like, most of the time they're making fun of 2020's rules. Like, look at the safe space discussion and the what the, princ- the principal was trying to do the entire time when yep, we had yep. the karate gang fights. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point. And I, I think that's probably what's, what's helping me, I guess, like this more, the, the modern setting. All right, Julio, well, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, why don't you tell everyone where they can find your podcast if... It isn't like we run your po- your promo for your podcast like every few weeks. Yeah, if you recognize my voice, that's why. Uh, 
Uh, the Contrarians. Just look up The Contrarians uh, on any podcatcher. Uh, our website is uh, wearethecontrarians.com. And uh, yeah, that's that's really all you need. Uh, in I guess if you heard the promo, then you know our show. We just uh, say good things about rotten movies and say bad things about fresh movies. All in good fun. And then we tell you how we really feel. And Dan re- has been there once. Yep. And I'm 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 working on, on your on your second appearance. Alright. Uh at the risk of running longer and having Gerald have an aneurysm to the length of this episode, mainly just this main <laughs> review section. It's time to cut into a quick break. And when we come back from said break, we will be talking about uh an unintentional tie-in to Cobra Kai with a Bruce Lee movie, Enter the Dragon. Hello everyone, this is JD from the In Session Film Podcast. Each week we review the latest from Hollywood, California. Well, yes, Brendan. We also... Give top three lists. Okay, yeah. Thanks again, Brendan. Additionally, you can hear us... Talk other movie news, trailers, varying movie series, or other interesting film-related topics, and even rants and raves of the week. On top of our main show, every Friday... You can also hear our extra film podcasts. Uh, you can listen to the In Session Film Podcast on... iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or at InSessionFilm.com. Listen to the In Session Film Podcast every Monday and Friday. Subscribe today and hear me verbally beat JD like a Cherokee drum. No, 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 no. That's not <laughs> how this works, sir. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it is time to get into our patron requested review for Enter the Dragon. Well, fine, if you don't want my money. You mean, if we watch terrible movies, you'd give us money? Well, sure. Mr. Caleb, welcome to the patron review segment. Enter the Dragon is a 1973 action crime drama film starring Bruce Lee. A secret agent comes to an Opium Lord's Island fortress with other fighters for a martial arts tournament. This is a 7.7 out of 10 on IMDb and is rated R, clocks in at an hour and 42 minutes. Dan, I will let you go first. What did you think of Enter the Dragon? Uh, I for, So first and foremost, Bruce Lee is 100% not a secret agent in this movie. Yeah, not really. He kind of is, but like he's a... Buddhist monk who's charged by his mentor to reclaim the clan's honor, and then, like, a sort of, like, shadow, like, sort of government, like, G-Man type character Mm -hmm. says, like, hey, if you go to the place, kill the guy, we'd really appreciate it. Yep. So, like, I, I guess, but... I get what they're going for. Like that's an easy way to draw people in. Like, oh, Bruce Lee, secret agent, murders people. Okay, I like you. You can get down with that. Overall, I think the story kind of sucks. I mean, not even really kind of sucks. I think it sucks. Like, uh, it's it's whatever. Like them getting there, and <laughs> there's there's a moment in the movie where there's like 15 minutes of flashbacks for three different fucking characters, and just like here's their backstory. Yeah, uh, it's like what the fuck. And then uh, you move on to the actual island, and this is like, there's this loose martial arts tournament. <laughs> I feel like Ed Boon uh, fucking loved this movie growing up, because this is the plot of Mortal Kombat. That makes sense. Like, the bad guy totally looks like Shang Tsung. Mm-hmm. Um, like, watching this, it's easy to see how Bruce Lee was the inspiration for Liu Kang in Mortal uh-huh. Kombat, because he was... Yeah, it's it's 
almost uncanny. I mean, a lot of people say how influential this movie was in terms of like modern martial arts movies and video games and other such properties like Mortal Kombat 100% I can see behind that. And I'll be honest, as long as I don't care how bad the script is, like I I don't care how poor the story is. Uh I I came to see Bruce Lee kick the shit out of people and chew bubblegum and I'm all out of bubblegum and Bruce Lee kicks yeah. the shit out of a lot of people. He is like an unhealthy level of shredded like his body fat is so low that i'm concerned well you should be uh considering this took pl- <laughs> this was the, his last film movie he, before he died yeah because he died during the filming of the way of the dragon yeah and they had to use a cardboard cutout at least i'm pretty sure that's that's how it was or it might have been a different movie that they used a cardboard cutout but like Cerebral edema. What is that? Uh, so I'm looking at like what he died of, and it's basically like brain swelling. Yeah. Um. They think that it was an allergic reaction to uh, smoking marijuana. Actually. Oh yikes! So Bruce Lee, toughest man in the world, only person to ever die from smoking weed. I guess that's. I guess that's true. Uh, Caleb, what did you think about uh, Bruce Lee Enters the Dragon? Ooh, woo. <laughs> That's um, exactly what I was going for. Thank you. <laughs> I, uh, I fucking loved it, actually. Like, it's like stepping into a time machine when all movies were a bit shittier. Yes. Um, but, like, it's, it's, in- it's interesting to see how, like, a decade later, this kind of evolved into what you know like a lot of people would call the the second golden age of cinema in the 80s which like also had a lot of stinkers but a lot of people are very nostalgic for that so Mm -hmm. the plot is relatively bare bones we know that the bad guy is a bad guy because we're told that he is and because he uh beats people up and kills them and sells drugs. Yep. I um how Reagan era I thought that it was pretty f- I thought that it was pretty fucking wild that in 1973 your movie is about human trafficking. Like I didn't expect that cuz like they they bring girls to this island and get them addicted to opium and then sell them to rich white dudes around the world. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. is the plot. Yeah. I mean, that's also the plot of uh, Taken 2007, so uh, influencing movies all the way up to 2007. But really what it is is a a showcase for Lee's martial arts prowess, which, you know, he was the best of the best. That being said, like, I almost hate his martial arts style in this. Like, obviously, like, he was a fantastic fighter, Mm -hmm. but, like, I feel like he's choreographing it too much like his movements are too snappy like everything feels like an exclamation point and he's like striking a pose at the end of each move rather than like you know the sort of fluid actual movements that somebody would make in a fight so so like jackie chan ish almost like uh what i remember of jackie chan movies is like it just his it is more feels natural. produced yeah like jackie yeah. chan like even though they're hijinksy like Jackie Chan feels free flowing and spontaneous. Yeah, whereas this 
feels like a stage play. Who do you think would win in a fight? Bruce Lee with nunchucks or Jackie Chan carrying a ladder saying he's not looking for any trouble? Uh, man, that'd be a fucking, that'd be a fucking knockdown, drag him out fight right there. <laughs> I don't want any trouble. Because, like, Bruce Lee has, like, a 30-second thing where he's fucking also, around with nunchucks. Also, there are ten vases nearby. And and Jackie Chan has to keep all of them from breaking during the fight. <laughs> that's that's what I mean by the, like, the spontaneousness of, like, a Jackie Chan. Because, like, he's doing stuff and, like, he, he's also doing a secondary thing when when he's fighting mm. people. And there's kind of, like, that magic to it. Like, with Bruce Lee, he is there to fuck people up. And I, like, there's a certain level of appreciation for that. But, like, Jackie Chan adds a levity to his movies with his, his... Yeah, that's, that's, like, the core difference between Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee. Like, um, Jackie Chan movies have martial arts in them to entertain. Uh, Bruce Lee movies have martial arts in them to, uh, excite and build drama. Mm -hmm. So... And I think that's a big thing with this movie is I felt like really at no point was Bruce Lee going to lose. Like, yeah, you could say that for most protagonists in any movie. It's like you don't feel like they're going to lose. But like, I don't feel like Bruce Lee ever went through any real adversity in the movie to before he won and beat everybody. Yeah, there's not like there's not like a place for his character to go like ethically speaking like there's no big hurdle for him to overcome he just is the the force of nature that he is right that's why honestly like i thought that roper was a far more interesting character because like Mm -hmm. he had to kind of draw a line in the sand and say like no i'm not gonna join this this evil thing i'm gonna help out you know the good guys. I'm going to be a good guy. Also, uh, Bolo Young as uh, Bolo in the film. Uh, he was the guy who played Chong Lee in, in Bloodsport. Bloodsport. I I recognized him immediately, and I was like, "Holy shit, that's Chong Lee." He is very distinctive looking. He is the most heavily muscled. Uh, Asian martial artist I've ever seen in film. Yeah. Like, he's not he's not anywhere near as toned as Bruce Lee is, but oh, like... Oh, Bruce Lee is, like, unhealthily just... toned. Yeah. Like, he he looks like a fucking... Like a... I don't, I don't even know. Like a handful of plastic straws. Like, he's just so ropey and vascular, it's disgusting. <laughs> but Bolo is just, like... Muscle mass. Because he's also like five foot four, maybe, but he's just a brick shit house. <laughs> so, uh, interesting thing about like Ripness in terms of like movies. So, Hugh Jackman has said multiple times that he went, when, when he does the shirts off scenes for like Wolverine, he does like a three day dehydration, which basically like shrinks yeah. his skin to like show off his muscles even more, which is why like his body is completely unattainable because no one mm-hmm. should be doing that. So I'm I'm I wouldn't be shocked if Bruce Lee was doing something similar with this movie. Yeah. I I feel like Bruce Lee also did like seventy thousand push ups a day, so there's that. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. The only other thing that really I wanted to cover is the 
possibly like one of the most famous and iconic scenes in martial arts film history. Uh, the fucking Hall of Mirrors scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of that? Have you ever seen that scene before? Or That scene, no, but I've seen it done. Like uh, John Wick 2, for instance. Like they, they have a Hall of Mirrors scene in John Wick 2. And I feel like that you see that scene a lot. And I'm not going to say this like was the, the grandfather of all those scenes, because quite frankly, I don't know. Like, maybe there was something in the 40s that was done uh, to do that. But uh, I like this scene because I've seen this exact thing where, you know, Hero goes to fight man and how enemy in house of mirror in like hollow mirrors. Uh, enemy is able to get the upper hand until hero starts smashing mirrors and then uh, is able to destroy the trickeration of yeah. evil. Cause, uh, cause that's what his master told him at the beginning of the movie is that his enemy only has illusions to, to deceive him. And if you destroy the illusion, you destroy the man. And so he destroys the mirrors and kills the guy. By kicking him onto onto the spear, which was pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. And then, like, he spins the fake wall, and it just continues to rotate with him hanging off of it. I don't know. I don't know how this looked in the original, like, theatrical release, but, like, uh, watching it on my television set, like, the the blood was very, very unrealistic (laughs) any time it showed up. Like, it's almost pink. Yeah, it looked like it looks like on. the fake blood from fucking uh, avalanche sharks. Oh, I was going to say saw, like the later saws, like the later saws have very yeah. pink blood. But yeah, the the blood is painted on like at the end of the of the movie where he's like walks back to Roper at the end of the fight. Like you can see the blood like coming off, and like it doesn't even look like cuts were put on his on his face, even though he was slashed a few times. Hmm. But it doesn't matter because Bruce Lee like fucking killed many people with his martial arts. Yep. Now, I think it was Game of Death that he died during. And Game of Death I think is also where the bride's outfit from Kill Bill comes from. After Lee's death, Enter the Dragon director Robert Klaus, who I think also directed uh Enter the Dragon, was enlisted to Oh yeah, that's what it says. Uh, was enlisted to finish the film using two stand-ins. It was released in 1978, five years after Lee's death. So that's why it took so like it took an extra five years yeah. because I guess they wanted to be sensitive to his death and then you know also shove in uh, stand-ins. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because that's the one where he fought Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yep, who actually was one of Bruce Lee's first students, I guess. But uh. That's where, like, I don't know if you've ever seen the picture of Bruce Lee kicking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the face, and it's like he's basically standing on one foot doing a split into the air, because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is fucking huge. Let me check this out. No, I'm looking it up now. Oh my goodness. I see. Oh my god, yeah. I'm gonna post this to Twitter. (laughs) It's pretty amazing, isn't it? That's, uh, holy fuck. Yeah, I just posted it on Twitter, so if you guys want to yeah. check out this picture without having to Google it, uh, check it out. Yeah, like, those those two dudes are barely the same thing. Holy fucking shit. That's nuts. Uh, so yeah, what would you rate this? Uh, look, I, I, I like it for, uh, Bruce Lee go kick, but otherwise, uh, the story's dog shit. Uh, but like all the other aspects are, are solid enough. I give it a three. 
Yeah, I'll give it a three and a half. I think that um, I I like this movie kind of because it has historical value, mm-hmm. and just because it's was an influence on the genre. So, um, I think it's worth that at least. So, good movie. Check it out. Check a look. All right, Dan. Well. Next week on the show, we are going to be watching Pieces of a Woman with uh, special guest correspondent Gerald. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the back half of that, we will be doing a dick pick. So, because this is a brand new dick year... Dick pick! It's coming back. Uh, I will give it to you first, friend. You, 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 you choose the suffering. Alright, well, uh, I got a random word, which was soft. So the movie that I'm picking is Killing Them Softly, starring Brad fucking Poot. Uh, when a couple low-level crooks rob a mob-protected poker game, a slick enforcer is hired to track down the offenders and take care of business. As I recall, this movie bombed. Uh, it is an hour and 37 minutes. So, that's fine. Okay. Stars Brad Pitt, Scoot McNary, and Ben Mendelsohn. Scoot McNary has... The best name for westerns in history, <laughs> which is why when he was in that uh, Netflix miniseries or limited series Godless, I was very excited because that's a western series. Uh, as for the end of the show, uh, you can find us at netflixandswill.com. It's your one stop shop for all things Netflix and Swill, it's where you can find uh, episodes to our podcast, uh, social media links such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And our Patreon page, where you can contribute to us at any level and get uh, free access, or not free access, and you can get access to any of our bonus episodes. Also, you know what? We don't talk about it much. Merch. Check out our merch page over at Redbubble, uh, or just click the link where it says merch at the top of our website uh, and buy something. Yeah. Um, don't be a piece of shit. Wear a face mask when you're in public. And, uh, you know, get one that has our logo on it so that I get money. Thank you to Space Weather for the use of our theme song, Bitter, uh, which is the defeat that John Kreese felt. Um, and until next week, this is Caleb saying, we'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs>